Moy has been asking me for months now to bring these rocks into service. And these rocks are special because uh, they are from Israel, and they're from the exact location of where Jesus healed the demoniac, you know, the legion of demons. Um, it says that the, this man would spend night and day in the tombs, and he would cut himself with rocks. And the rocks uh, in the Greek are flint stones, not flint stones from the flint stones, but flint stones. And these rocks are just, we have them. Anne and I went to Israel a couple years ago, and we took some back just to remind us that all this is real, and that Jesus was a real man who lived a real life. He came and interacted with people, with real people, not legends, not stories, not made-up truth stories, but that he actually came and that this world actually observed his power, and that at least one man who these rocks saw was healed from his kingdom power. Amen? And so this is real. This isn't just something that we've made up over the millennia, but that it's lasted this long because it's real. And so I want to talk to us today, or actually a little bit before that, I want to introduce myself to those who I haven't met yet. So my name is Pedro. You can call me Pedro or <laughs> Pastor Pedro or even Reverend Dr. Pedro even though I'm not a doctor or a reverend yet, but we'll just get used to it. Um, and so I am 32 years old. I am from Brazil. I was born in Brazil. And one lesson that I've learned throughout my entire life is that people, not just Americans, but people from other countries, they cannot understand living in a world where there are white Pedros. Where Pedros can be white, and look like me. I have, can't tell you how many times in my life I've told people, hey, nice to meet you, I'm Pedro, and they thought that I was lying to them. I can't tell you how many times I've had to show my driver's license to people to show, yes, hey, I'm not lying to you, my name's Pedro. Um, and it's just funny to see the clocks, the ticks, the uh, wheels turning in their heads, trying to make sense of a white Pedro. It's really odd, and it's really funny. Uh, to see. And so I have a lot of really funny experiences along these lines. Um, I have stories that uh, I remember when I'm in a dark place and I have these stories to make me laugh a little bit. And um, also I have some not great stories about it. Just the other day, a good story, I was driving uh, for Uber and this guy came in my car. He got in the car and he looked at me and he's like, oh, I think I'm in the wrong car. And I said, no, don't worry, I'm Pedro. I'm white Pedro, it's okay. You're in the right car. And so I started driving him and eventually he just came out and said, he said, oh, where are you from? And I was like, hey, I'm from Brazil. And his response to that will haunt my dreams for the rest of my life. He asked, in a cleaned up version, he asked me, oh, do we own that bleep? Do we own that fill in the blank? It was a four-letter word. And I was like, wow, that's, no, you don't own that, number one. And so in that moment, I had to think about my response. Was I going to be telling him what, I, what 32 years of pent-up frustra racial frustration uh, has led me to, or am I going to be a good Christian and protect my Uber driver rating? And um, so I told them. And so that's a great, I love that story. It's so funny. I can't tell you how many of those I have. Uh, but then also, 
I do remember stories that uh, I don't care to remember. I remember stories where in the first grade, a friend of mine's mom told me I couldn't hang out with her son anymore. I remember being called all the names that you can be thought of as someone from Latin America. I can recall being made fun of and not having friends. And you know, those aren't as nice to remember. And over the years, the accumulations of those stories made me uh, believe a lot of lies about myself. And eventually it found, it found really deep soil in my soul and caused for me to have an opinion of myself and my identity and my worth that did not come from God. And it found such a deep place in my heart that it became permanent. There was nothing that I could do to get rid of that. You know, as a kid growing up especially, you don't have the resources or the ways to think about what other people do and make sense of everything, right? And so it had become permanent. There was absolutely nothing I could do. Uh, from, that, from my childhood on, I just knew that anywhere I went, I never belonged. I didn't belong. Besides my family, I always knew, and I was blessed to have a great family, but outside of my family, I knew that I didn't belong anywhere and that I was homeless. Um, later on, 10 years, me and my family, we got our green cards and we went to, back to Brazil. And I was like, oh, I'm finally going to go where I belong. And quickly realized there, I definitely don't belong in Brazil anymore. I've changed too much. I don't know the culture. My Portuguese is horrendous. Um, and I don't belong there either. So in my head, I was like, wow, I'm really not where I'm from. I'm not, I'm not where I grew up. I'm not from where I grew up. And so this was permanent and painful for me a lot of the times. Um, but that's what I want to talk to us about today. Uh, we're still in our Mark series. We're in the last chapter of Mark, if, the last verses of chapter 1 of Mark. So it took us a little while to finish chapter 1. We have 15 to go, and it might take us several years, but we'll get there eventually. Uh, and I, so I want to talk about this, about Jesus taking away the permanent pains everything that we think is permanent and we don't have the recourses to get rid of or to change or to heal, Jesus is able to. And so I want to pray for us and I want to read to us Mark chapter 1, 40 to 45. And um, let's go. Let's dive into God's word together. All right? So let me pray. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for being here with us. I thank you for your presence here, Lord. I pray that you would speak to the places of our lives that we find really ugly, the places that we hide, uh, the places that we don't even like to go into, Lord. And I pray that you show us how your presence here on earth and your Holy Spirit with us, Lord, uh, can empower us to get rid of those and replace some permanent places with um, your truth. And so, Lord, we love you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So let me read. This is Mark 1, if you guys want to turn to your Bible, or if you just want to read it here, or your phones. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, this is Jesus, uh, and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, 
but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for, a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. All right, so we have here an interesting story. Um, Let's take a look at where we are so far in Mark 1, since we're finishing the chapter. So far, we've seen this relatively nobody start his public ministry, be baptized where the Father and the Spirit both make their presence known. And then all of a sudden, this stonemason, who was a nobody in life, starts preaching and teaching in a way that no one had ever seen before. You know, let's think about how, how it would have seemed like at the time. This guy, who was just like you or me, all of a sudden preaches in a way and with the authority that no one has ever seen. Everywhere he goes, uh, he heals people. And every disease, every ailment, everything that comes up against him uh, answers to him when he tells it to go away and to be healed. And then we also see that everywhere he goes, impure spirits call out to, to say who he really is. And that's interesting because many times in Mark we see that even demons show Jesus more respect than people do. And so that's interesting that everywhere he goes, Jesus has dominion over the spiritual realm and the physical realm. That he tells diseases to scatter and to go away. He tells demons to, to do something and they do it. And so we see this guy. All of a sudden, who is he? He has everything. He can teach to us like he knows everything. And um, if we think about Jesus, that he came here to show us that he was the Messiah and to earn that title, let's think about it as a resume. So far, his Messiah resume is not really filled in yet. All these things a teacher could have done and had done in the past in Israel's history. But today, this is the first step. This is the first box that Jesus checks off in his I'm the Messiah resume. All right? And we'll go into that. Um, And where we start to go there is leprosy. We need to talk about leprosy right now. I've heard a lot of sermons on this passage, some good and some really bad. But the one thing that they have in common is that you need to talk about leprosy so that we can understand why this is Jesus saying, hey, everybody, I'm the Messiah. And so leprosy had a lot of meanings in the Old Testament. Normally, um, physically, medically, we know that... um, Leprosy wasn't just one disease, but it was a variety of diseases that when a person contracted it, it basically just ate away at your entire body. If you were to get it on your face, it would erode your nose until it was gone. It would go into your eyes and make you blind, and it would just eat away at your features. If you had it on your body, um, you would lose sensations. It would attack the nerve endings and attack muscle and tissue until you can literally take pieces of your body off, or they would flake off. And so medically speaking, leprosy is a big problem, a problem that no one ever in the ancient world had a solution for. And so that was, we're talking about permanent pains. If you get leprosy, you have a death sentence, and it's just a matter of time until you died. I wanted to show pictures up here, but then I thought against it, because it really is disgusting. It really is a picture of something that is hideous and painful. Um, And so on that side of this equation, nobody wanted leprosy because you had no more hope. You were dead. 
Spiritually talking, leprosy became known as one of God's most severe judgments that he could levy against people. Oh, actually, I have a slide for that one. Um, medic, medic, spiritual speaking, it was one of the worst judgments. We see in Miriam's story, if anyone has, is not familiar with Miriam's story, go to Numbers 12 and read her story. It's really weird and interesting. Uh, Miriam basically, Miriam is the sister of Moses and she gets their other brother Aaron and they start bad talking Moses. They say, oh, God speaks to us too. Why aren't we more regarded as Moses's? And basically what God tells them to do is he gathers the three, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and he tells them to meet outside the tent. And God himself descends in a pillar of smoke, super weird, and he starts chastising them. He says, you, I do speak to you in dreams and visions, but Moses is so great that I speak to him face to face. And so, wow, imagine being told that by God. That is a serious burn. And so then as the pillar of smoke is leaving, it gets on Miriam's body and she contracts leprosy. And so this is where the idea of leprosy being God's judgment really grows its legs. And so she eventually gets healed uh, God tells her to be outside of the camp for seven days, and after seven days she gets healed. But it's really interesting. This is where the leprosy ball starts rolling in the Old Testament. And then we got Naaman. You know, Naaman and Miriam are interesting because they're the only two people who are ever cured of leprosy in the Old Testament. And that's important because Jewish scholars before Jesus said that leprosy is something that only God could cure. That if somebody wanted to be the Messiah, he would have to have mastery over death and mastery over leprosy. And so right off the bat, we see that this isn't just another healing of Jesus. This is a healing on another level. But Naaman, sorry, let's get back to him real quick. Naaman wasn't even from Israel, which is interesting. I would have been pissed if I was from Israel and know that one of the two people wasn't even from here, God's people. That's really interesting. But Naaman is an important man in the army of Aram, and he gets eventually, I'm saying this story really fast, 2 Kings 5, if you want to read about Naaman. Um, he gets permission to go to Israel because one of his wife's servants is a slave from Israel, and she said that if he met the prophet of Israel, he would be healed, right? And so he goes, he gets permission, eventually he winds up at Elisha's house, because he was the prophet, and Elisha doesn't even come out to go and meet this important guy. And Naaman is frustrated. He is indignant that Elisha didn't come out. And he, leaves, he takes his whole camp and he leaves. Eventually, one of Naaman's servants convinces him to go back and tries it out. And, he said, and Elisha's instruction was, hey, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. And on the seventh, you'll come out clean. And so he did that. And eventually, he was clean and he uh, declared that he would only ever serve the God of Israel from that point on. And so it's another interesting story. But for our purposes in Mark and for our purposes in understanding leprosy, the picture that Bible paints is that leprosy, all the hideous parts of it, all of the disgustingness, all of the death, is an outward picture of the death and the chaos that we have inside of us. You know, one of, the, one of the knocks on Christianity is that we, that the world makes about us is that we have a low view on humanity. And uh, we do understand that humanity, to our nature, is not, we're, it's not perfect and we're flawed and that we needed a God to save us. And so leprosy is the example of this 
picture of how ugly every single one of us are on the inside. You know, we talk about, I'm talking about God replacing the permanent pains. These are the pains physically put on a person's outside. And so all of the Bible deals with leprosy under these, under this lens, is that we know that we're dirty and we need God to heal us. And so, um, sorry. And so let's get back to our leper here. Uh, I call him our leper because whenever someone isn't named in one of the stories, it's usually because we have to identify as him. We're the leper, so I'm going to call him our leper. And what we see in the story of our leper is that he knew how, he knew the depths of his ugliness. He knew the depths of his pain. The first thing that I want to talk about is the, his request. It is super significant that in verse 40, Tony, can you throw up the scriptures again? In verse 40, he asks of the right question. He says, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And so that question is vitally important for us to understand. This leper understood what leprosy was. He understood that if God just healed his skin, he would still remain dirty. That's why he didn't ask God to make his skin look nice, um, but he asked him to make me clean. You know, part of our realization of our relationship with the Lord is that we have to realize our dependency on him. We have all these areas of life that we try and hide. Um, we have past experiences that we've done that just completely destroy the way that we view ourselves, that we think disqualify ourselves from God. We have things that are done to us. You know, if you've been abused, if you um, have been taken advantage of, if your parents didn't love you in the way that a parent should have, you know, this all goes into affecting how we view ourselves and how we view others, and in turn, how we live, how open we are with one another, how open we are with Jesus. And so his question here is perfect. He realized that his problem was not his skin. It was much deeper. He needed Jesus to make him clean. And so that's why he gets up here and he says, Jesus, he falls on his knees in total submission and says, Jesus, I need you to clean me because I'm not, I'm not where I should be. And so the second part of this is super important too. How does Jesus respond to this? In 41, it says that he was moved with pity he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. So the way that lepers lived their lives was super important. This was all outlined in Leviticus 13 and 14, if you want to read it. It's kind of dry, but it's important. And what a leper had to do few things to live in God's society. A leper had to wear clothes that are torn. All of their clothes had to be torn so that people could see their sores and the pus and the grossness and the parts of their skins that, are, that are, were fading away. They had to wear rags on their face to cover uh, their nose and their mouth so that they didn't contaminate anyone else. They had to grow out their hair and look unkempt, which is funny. I think that's just supposed to be a picture of their despair and how dirty they are. And then um, they weren't, the worst punishment that they had to endure was they could never live inside of a city, inside of a camp, inside of um, wherever people lived because they would contaminate others. And so this is why this is important. Jesus 
touched this man. He was moved to pity and he touched this man. He broke the one rule that healthy people had against lepers. And I don't want to, some people just focus on the fact that Jesus is a rule breaker, but that's not what you should focus on on this. It's that he was so full of compassion and that he was so full of love. The Greek words here, we say moved with pity, but the Greek words also have this picture of anger, that Jesus hated this man's situation and his sin and his death so much that he actually did something and he touched the man. And this is important because it proves Jesus' messiahhood in that he cured leprosy, but that Jesus was so overflowing with health, he was so overflowing with God's order, he was so overflowing with positive, his gentleness, his compassion, his love, uh, everything positive that we know Jesus encapsulates, and that instead of disease overcoming Jesus, he overcame this man's situation. You know, we see Jesus over and over again heal people just by declaring it, but here he had to do something more. He had to show to everyone that he was better, he was stronger, his authority was more mightier than leprosy, than any human condition. And so for us, man, this is the gospel in one picture right now, that Jesus, from his essence, is so full of the Father and the Holy Spirit and himself that he is enough to overcome any situation. Amen? Um, This is what we rely on. This is what the Gospels rely on. It's that Jesus came and he lived this life and that he, everywhere he went, the kingdom overflowed from him and healed everything that it touched. Right In our MCs, we've been talking a lot about like how this is real and how Jesus' power and authority are real to this day. And so we need to tap into this type of power, this type of energy, this type of anointing from the Lord so that we can always be overflowing of the kingdom, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. And then the last point that I want to talk about is the trade. The trade is vitally important because this is what encapsulates Jesus' life, the reason why he came, and what he did here. And it's the trade. Uh, Can you go to the last portion of the scriptures? Not the next slide, but the next one after that. Um, 45, verse 45. It says, but he went out and began to talk freely, this is our leper, about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Um, So there's a lot in the middle there in the 44 and 43 that I would love to talk about, but we don't have time to. Uh, But this is important for us, because... Jesus, with Jesus and his ministry and his life, there was always a trade. You know, we see, where do, the, where do these characters start this story? Jesus was in the town. He could freely go and preach wherever he wanted. And the leper was out and could no longer come in. And at the end of the story, the leper is so clean that he's allowed back into society. He's been given all of his hope back. And Jesus is the one who loses something. You see here that Jesus... Uh, he was out in desolate places. Then the people were still coming to him. I heard a pastor once say that the, our leper is the best, worst evangelist because so many people loved his message, but Jesus never wanted him to share it. So he was the best, worst evangelist. Uh, but we see here that Jesus traded places and he was at a loss after he healed this leper. He showed the compassion, he showed the power. He showed that he was the Messiah, but yet he was the one who lost something. 
he could no longer enter into towns freely and preach the way he wanted to. And for our leper, this is amazing, you know, because he, Jesus, knew that he probably knew what the cost would have been. And even if he didn't, it would still have been worth it to restore this one man. But for us, this is, also, this is the gospel. This is the picture that everything Jesus did was a trade for us. You know, Jesus left heaven, Philippians 2, you should read it, is that Jesus left and emptied himself of everything and came for our sake. Um, for us, it also means ultimately his death on the cross. That he took our place, he traded away our place on the cross. You know, we really have to be comfortable with knowing how sinful we are and knowing how much dependency we have for Jesus every day. And that's not the most popular message, and that's not going to make it on Instagram very often. But it is vitally important that we rely on Jesus for everything, every part of our life, everything that we do, and all of our desires. Amen? And so we see that Jesus, he suffered on the cross for us. He took the criminal's death. It, the Bible even says that he became a curse so that we wouldn't have to, and that Father himself turned his back on him while he was hanging on the cross. And so, guys, this is the most beautiful picture of love that we have ever seen and will ever see, because the man who was the Messiah, remember the resume, he checked off the first big one right now. He was willing to trade places with this guy and be out in desolate places when he didn't want to be. He was willing to take our sin and our shame on the cross and extinguish God's wrath on our behalf. And then ultimately, we also see this after he comes back, you know, that we not only are accepted into God's family from Jesus' sacrifice, but that he goes to the Father to make a room for us in his house, and that everything Jesus did was trading places with you. Now, ultimately, Jesus doesn't remain in hell. He doesn't remain in death. He comes back. So the trade, he, he, once it's done, he goes back in his power to heaven. And so it's not a trade where Jesus is suffering forever. He's actually exalted highest now. But um, we see that we can give God everything. So all of our pain, let's go back to the permanent stuff. Uh, and the worship team can come up because I'm finishing up. All of the plain, pain, all of the places that we hide, we no longer have to hide anymore in Jesus. That uh, the things that we think disqualify us from being accepted from the Father are not true. They're lies from the enemy. You know, in my story, I first started getting healing from my racial identity, being a white immigrant, when I was uh, about 23. And so for the first 20 years of my, 23 years of my life, there was no way that I could remove this stain. I tried for a long time, and I couldn't. But Jesus traded places with me, and I saw that for the first time. He said that I didn't have to be American or I didn't have to be Brazilian to be able to belong somewhere, but that I actually belonged in his kingdom and that he was the one who brought me there. And so I want to leave us with a question because Mark is all about what are you going to do with this? Where are you going to go with this? You can't just leave here and not address this in your life. And so my question, my inter interrogative for us today is where are the places that you hide? because you shouldn't hide them anymore. You don't need to hide them anymore. What are the places that you hide from even yourself, your memories, your past experiences, parts of your life that you don't even want to go back to because it's too painful? 
you should start going there with safe people who know how to pray for you. Um, the areas of your life that someone did to you, you can address these with Jesus and he can take them from you, right? The areas of the things that you've done, that is also a safe place to bring to others who know how to pray for you, to bring to Jesus yourself. And so don't stay where you are with the things that you hide. That's the one message from today, is the things that you hide, you can no longer hide anymore and still serve Jesus with your whole heart. That you need to get to a place where our leper guy, where he just laid down at Jesus' feet and tried to give him everything. Because that's the only way that something's going to change. In a couple weeks, we'll talk about good soil. And so we just have to have your soul be a good soil for good, healthy things to start growing um, in your life. And I wish that I could stay up here for a lot longer and just talk to you guys more about the good things that Jesus has for us, about how he did all of this in my life too. Um, but I know that he's faithful to lead each one of us through the path that we need to go through. And so just don't hide these places anymore. Uh, don't hide them from yourself. Don't hide them from the Lord. And don't hide them from one another. The one place that you should be able to be vulnerable is in your family, and that includes your church family. We'll hold each other up in prayer, and we'll go after it together. Amen? And so, um, yeah, above all, you have a God who is so crazy about you that he gave up everything to bring you to his house, to bring you into his family. And that's something like leprosy that has no cure in, back in Jesus' day um, is out of his reach. We see later on that even death is within his reach. Amen. So I want to be here forever. Let me get off so that we can worship and so that we can step into these new things that Jesus has for us. Thanks, guys.